Now, a lot has happened here in these first few verses of Mark. He begins by telling us that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, an important pronouncement at the beginning of his gospel. Then he moves quickly into quoting Isaiah and the story of John the Baptist. He goes into Jesus' baptism and then the Spirit leading Jesus into the wilderness. And when he comes, when Jesus reappears from the wilderness, he begins his ministry of preaching, teaching, and healing. According to David McClellan, a, an author of, a, of one particular commentary, he wrote this about Mark's gospel. He said, Mark's gospel does not labor with the elaborate details of history as Matthew does, or the weaving together of the many details of Jesus' teaching as Luke. No, Mark gets right to the story of Jesus, the story of Jesus that was shared with him from Peter, an eyewitness to the events recorded. Now let us listen to the scripture text this morning from Mark 2, verses 13 through 17. Jesus went out again beside the sea. The whole crowd gathered around him and taught them. As he was walking along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were also sitting with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. When the scribes of the Pharisees saw that they were, he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard this, he said to them, those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick, I have come to call not the righteous, but the sinners. This is the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, after hearing this scripture, are there any sinners with us today? <laughs> we all know that we've fallen short in our call to worship the Lord and our call to service. Jesus knew this when he called Matthew out of the tax booth, and he knows it today when he calls us. Now, we know the story of Matthew. He had quite the reputation. In the first century, all tax collectors were the most despised people in Israel. They were deemed lower than the Herodians, and they were the ones that were loyal to the dynasty of Herod. Some of the tax collectors hired thugs to collect their taxes, thus making the tax collector the most vile and unprincipled scoundrels of that time. Sounds like the IRS, doesn't it? Just kidding. If you were a Jew collecting taxes from other Jews, as Matthew was, you became a traitor to your people. They branded him as a social and religious outcast, forbidding him, forbidding him from entering any synagogue, which was like death to a Jew. If you were named a social outcast by the citizenry, who became your closest friends? but others 
who shared the same reputation. Those referred to as a riffraff of society. So why would the Lord call such a scoundrel as Matthew? We'll come back to that in a minute. But first, I want to mention to you this series that this church has been following, the Chosen TV series. And I encourage you to look at that because it really is a good way to get a general overview of the Scripture. But today we are working through three different texts as we do each week. This particular one I want to mention first was Genesis 33, where Jacob and his sons are setting up their tent, digging a well on the property that Jacob had just purchased. A stranger comes along and questions Jacob and his belief. His belief about his God, and this stranger says to him about his God, why would you choose such a God? And Jacob's response was, we did not choose him. He chose us. Now there's more to this story of Jacob that I want to remind you of. This little clip of Jacob makes it sound like he was a fine and upstanding person, right? Well, if you remember Jacob's older brother Esau, they were twins, and when they were born, Jacob had a hold of Esau's heel as they were coming forth into the world as if wanting to pull him back. Now Esau had this reputation of working in the fields with his hands. And Jacob was more of a stay-at-home type of guy. So Esau's working in the field one day, comes in from a long day's work, tired, hungry and thirsty, and he sees his brother sitting next to a fire preparing a meal. Now, most of the time, brothers would, sure, come, let's, let's just share a meal together. But in this case, Esau comes and asks Jacob for something to eat, and Jacob says, sure, but let's do a little horse trading first. I'll trade you all the pot, all the stew in this pot and water to drink but you have to trade me your birthright. Esau might have been taken back a little bit. So he looks at his brother and his brother says that again, trade me your birthright. But this time, quote, swear, uh, quote, swear to me now, end quote. Esau does so. He eats and drinks his fill and then departs. One more story about Jacob. Before their father died, with the help of his mother, Rebekah, they tricked his father into giving him his blessing, giving him everything that his father owned instead of to Esau, the firstborn, which was the custom in that period of time. So, do you think Jacob could have been a scoundrel? Sure. But isn't it interesting that God reaches out to those sometimes viewed as scoundrels or outcasts. In the story of John and the woman at the well, we have that Samaritan woman who is an outcast. The woman who couldn't go to the well with the other women because of her reputation. But Jesus reaches out to the woman who was not welcome in most places due to her life choices. So you see, 
Jesus reaching out to Matthew in our text today is not that unusual because the Lord has this habit of reaching out and calling to those who have questionable character. Years ago, a friend of mine who I hadn't seen in years saw my mother and they struck up a conversation. And he asked, he said, well, what's Brian doing? And my mother proudly said, well, he's in seminary. And my friend said, he's what? Scoundrel? I like to think not. But even if Matthew's character was questionable, he was a Jew and had knowledgeable of the Old Testament and was familiar with the story of the coming of the Messiah. So perhaps when Jesus passed by and paused and looked at, at Levi or Matthew and said, Levi, son of Alphaeus, follow me. Maybe, maybe that was what Matthew needed to believe. We know Matthew dropped everything and followed Jesus. Now the Spirit of God was so active in Matthew, he was so excited that he couldn't control himself. He called all his friends. And remember, his friends were others like himself, right? Outcasts. He called them to join him, to join Jesus and his disciples at his house for a celebration. Maybe Matthew wanted his friends to hear and to question Jesus, the one that Matthew recognized as the one from God. So now think about your call story. Were you one who ran when the call of the Lord came? And did you say to the Lord, oh, not me, I'm a sinner? <laughs> well, let me assure you, friends, that excuse has a very long line because we all fall into that category. Or were you one who just needed a little extra push to get over the edge? The point is that it doesn't matter who you are, what occupation you have, what you have done or what you have left undone. We are all summoned to walk with Jesus and to serve his people. And then answering Jesus' call, it opens a whole new world for us. We will see scripture and prayer and worship more clearly. We will better understand the needs of those in the community. We'll be able to formulate plans that address those specific needs of those who are homeless, hungry, who live on the margins of society, the immigrant, and those who face discrimination. We'll be able to address those needs better when we trust God. We will better see the needs to be inclusive in all our actions with God's people. Jesus removes that cloud of doubt that has covered our eyes for years. You know, even, even in this divided world that we live in today, Jesus will show us how we can have differences of opinion 
yet answer our call of service together as one people. Jesus never, never wanted us to be separated, but to be as one worshiping and serving our Lord. The past several years, we have become perhaps more divided than ever. We can look back at the pandemic as one reason, forcing us to stay in and away from our fellow citizenry. During that period, we may have sought out different forms of entertainment. Some of those forms of entertainment may have encouraged us to pick a side when dealing with God's children, which has caused confrontation and maybe even deepened the division. And while we were picking sides, we forgot. We forgot about the church of Jesus Christ. The community of faith, where we grow in the understanding of our call, where we strengthen our spirituality, and where we more thoughtfully reach out to others with love and compassion. Jesus' purpose of his calling was to awaken us to the ministry needs of his people, just as he did by calling his disciples. He was building a community of believers who would serve and take the word into the world. Friends, we are all called to come together in the community of faith, in the church of Jesus Christ, in the community of believers dedicated to serving our Lord and serving the people of God. The people of God everywhere. And when we serve God's people, we are sharing God's Word. There are no exceptions. We're all in this together. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us pray. Holy God, you have drawn us up, you rejoice with us, and you alone heal our souls. We celebrate and we praise your name, for you are the one who meets us and greets us and challenges us and loves us with passion and strength. By your favor, you have established us as your people, and you have chosen us, and you have been steadfast by our side. So hear our thanks this day. We thank you for this time together. We thank you for this place and for these people and for your church. We thank you for your unserved and unearned gifts of grace and peace and mercy. Help us to receive all that you give us with the posture of gratitude and allow it to shape us as we continue to live and move in your world. But, oh God, we also ask that you hear our cries. We cry for those who feel that they are the least, 
either because others have made them feel that way or because they have lost their notion of being your beloved. We cry out for the last, for those who have a hard time finishing because of their circumstances, for those who are pushed to the end of the line by this world. We cry out for those who are lost, either lost in cycles of addiction or violence, systems or lost in never, the never-ending rat race of this world. We pray for these people in the midst and these people in our communities. For those who have suffered loss, bring your peace. In this season, we cry out for wisdom and courage and strength so that we might serve you and your people faithfully in a world that's flooded with division. We ask that you might enter our hearts and the hearts of our politicians and our lawmakers, those who make decisions. Encourage those decisions to reflect the beauty of your kingdom and the love that you share with each of us. We give thanks on this holiday weekend and the 4th of July for our military, for those who serve and defend for freedom and liberty. We pray for peace and for a day where all your children might finally feel seen and loved and heard and accepted and safe. Give us the courage to fight for those liberties. We pray for those who are sick, that you might bring relief. For those who are unknowingly suffering from unchecked pride, give them humility. For those who need your presence, allow us to share glimpses of you with them this week. And for all these people and, the, and so many more, those are who we lift to you this day. And now hear us as we boldly pray together the great prayer of trust that you taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friend, God, friends, God's wisdom turns the wisdom of our world upside down every day. And God calls us to unexpected and extravagant opportunities to grow in our gifts and to grow in our faith. But holding things close in fear often distracts us from this path of discipleship. So trusting in God, God's grace, and God's generosity, let us give freely of our gifts, of our time, and of our talents.
Friends, let us now dedicate our gifts to God using our printed prayer. Let us pray. Blessed are you, God of all creation. Through your goodness, you have these gifts to share. Accept and use our offerings for your glory and for the service of your kingdom. Blessed be God forever. Amen. make no mistake about it God is marching on and God is reaching out to all of us every day all we have to do is respond now may the Lord bless you and keep you may the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace now and forevermore amen